The post-All-Star Game Sprint is here. What are the goals for the Utah Jazz after losing four in a row? And what about individual goals for Lowry, Keontae, Walker, and Taylor? It's next, Unlocked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh yeah, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz. Today, we look at the post-All-Star break sprint. 26 games for the Utah Jazz. Can they get back in the play-in race? What can they do to straighten out the way they were playing before the break, having lost four in a row? We'll look at team goals. We'll look individually at Lowry, Keontae, Walker, and Taylor. And then we'll, if we have time, which I don't think we will, but we'll try to look at some other um, league trends and things of that nature. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. And to the everydayers, I got little fun stickers. Thank you for being an everyday. I try to throw a bunch of these in my pocket during a jazz game. So if you see me walking around, ask, and I'll try to hopefully have one uh, with me. I'd love to give you a Locked on Jazz sticker. Uh, should be fun tonight. It's decade night for the 2000s. So this will be really fun because this is like right in all of our primes. I called all these games. Um, the 90s was great as well. I was working with the jazz and the 80s was great because I was a fan. So it's um these have all, this has just been so well done by the organization. A uh, lot of fun stuff tonight. So with 80s nights, why we're back in purple. Um, and hopefully everyone has a great time. Whether the Jazz get back on the winning track, that would be super. Uh, special thanks to Leaf Tulin who filled in. It's fun to listen to Locked On Jazz every now and then. I'm like the biggest Jazz fan around. And it's fun for me to sometimes get good Jazz content. Leaf's certainly delivered on that. Uh, during the offseason, Leaf will do continue to. He's really just, he's a rising star. So we'll continue to use him. Uh, in that fashion. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hope you're great. Missed you. Eh, kind of. Kind of a wacky trip. Uh, we were supposed to go one place. That got canceled. Supposed to go to another place. Flight got delayed for 24 hours. So they went to a third place. Didn't mean I got back early. Got two days of great powder skiing. So it all works out. Um, all right. Post All-Star Game Sprint. Jazz have the fourth hardest schedule left. Um, you never really know about that because like when you get into the end of a of a season like i think we can assume that the clippers like we close the game year with a bunch of clippers and warriors games late and i think we can assume that they're going to be playing hard um you never know like i'm assuming the nuggets are still playing hard and the cavaliers and like our final like 10 games are, are like i think eight games are kings cavaliers clippers warriors nuggets rockets clippers warriors so i don't think there's anyone in there where we're getting a break uh, at all. Um, in fact, if you go back, if you look at March 16th on, we finished with all Western Conference teams, Timberwolves, Timberwolves, Thunder, Mavericks, Rockets, Mavericks, Spurs, Rockets, and then that Kings Cavaliers, except for that's the one, Clippers, Warriors, Nuggets, Rockets, Clippers, Warriors. The Rockets are interesting. We play the Rockets three more times. And if you're into the draft pick game, those games actually matter a little bit. The open here is a little soft. Like we can regain our vibe here a little bit with Hornets and Spurs the next two games. 
Then the Hawks, who have had a hard time defending. Magic, who have not been world beaters. The Heat have been injured. Then we're back with the Wizards and the Bulls. Like, we could feel, we could really rectify things by March 6th, and then we run into the gauntlet. Then, then from March 9th on, they're just, are, it is brutal. Uh, and so, this is great. This is, and this is the first goal for the post-All-Star Game Sprint. And that is to play important games. And so, I actually think this first seven games of the Jazz play, Hornets, Spurs, Hawks, Magic, Heat, Wizards, Bulls, it, are really, really important. Because if the Jazz can somehow come out of this at five and two and back at five hundred, and then you're in back into the play-in race, even if we get fairly manhandled down the stretch, you've put yourself back into playing important games. And I and that's something that Will talks about, Justin Zanuck talks about, Danny Ainge talks about. Playing important games is is really important for the development of the franchise and who you are. The second one that if we don't play the first seven games well, let's say we go two and five, and just the gaps that have to be filled that have been created by Simone and Kelly, we just were much more fragile than we realized and that those gaps are so significant that we're actually really having a hard time. And let's say we go two and two and five and it's, it's clear where we're heading. We're heading to getting a draft pick. And then the question is, can you avoid becoming numb to losing? And that's another Will Hardy phrase, but I think that's, that's super vital though. So those are the two most important goals and they're a little esoteric, but play important games, and then as the games become unimportant, if they do, let's make sure that we we don't get numb to losing. So the biggest thing is, can we fill these gaps? I do think it's interesting if we take a moment, and we played really well against Warriors. If we take just an honest moment for a second, I, I love Kelly, I love Simone, I love Ochai. I mean, they, I think there's a, a, co a core, like, essence and soul that they left more important than basketball. And hopefully after a break and kind of getting reset, the guys are able to deal with that. But I, I do think that that was certainly a part of it, that, that Simone was such a great dude. Kelly's the best. And Ochai is everyone you know, just admires and respects. And when all three of those were suddenly gone out of the locker room, I think it just kind of left a, a, a peril of, of sadness around the team. And that may have emanated out on the floor a little bit that we just, we seemed to rather feckless for three games. The, and hopefully we get through that um, because from a basketball standpoint, as much as Kelly, Simone and Ochai are, are really good players and Simone's proved to be a rotation player in the NBA and Kelly is as well. They probably aren't so good that they should just derail us unless we're just that fragile. So we should be able to fill those gaps a little bit. Now, you know, I, I don't, we'll see, you know, Talon has, has always been, you know, kind of his good is good and his bad is bad. And, and his good is, Will likes to say it well that like his his bad is really loud and people get kind of overwhelmingly fired up about how bad it is, um, and I think that's probably true. But they're you know and Taylor and Taylor Hendricks has 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 struggled a little bit. Like he just hasn't he doesn't quite have it yet. That's fine. He's twenty and maybe even nineteen. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Like we're playing Lowry in those four games, thirty four minutes. Keontae thirty three, Jordan thirty three. John Collins, 29, Sexton, 28, Walker, 26, Chris Dunn, 20, Taylor, 17, and Taylor, 13. So we're, you know, we're kind of short 30 minutes of basketball, and we've increased the role of Keontae a little bit. Frankly, when we got really good, we reduced the role of Keontae. And so we've increased Keontae's role, and he was terrific against the Warriors, and that's the right thing to do. It's, he's ready for that next step. He was really struggling when he went out of the starting lineup with that injury. Then he really played great off the bench and became an elite pick-and-roll player. Now he needs to do it against... Jamal Murray and like, look at that run. Like that schedule we just talked about against Jamal Murray and 
Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry and see what it's like and see if he see if he's got that. Um, those are important moments. I, I think the guy who actually probably has the biggest impact on on what we do is if we're going to play Jordan 33 minutes is how efficient can he be? Shooting 39% from three over the last four games, but shooting 39% overall, he's probably as vital um, as just about any anyone in there. So I think that's from a team goal standpoint. And then the final one is, can we defend? Over the last 15 games, we're last in the league defensively again. Um, that's just not great. Like, I, I don't, you know, and, and why is that? That's not just because the trade deadline. That's the last 15 games. The last... Four, I'm sure, is even more extreme, and that Warriors game was ridiculous the way everyone shot. Um, and our defense over since the trade deadline's a 130. Like, ooh. So putting those four in definitely skews the whole thing. But I went to the last 15, and our defensive rating in the last 15 games is a 125. So can we find a way to defend? And then I think that actually gets a little bit into specific players as well. And I'll get into this a little bit more. But if you look over our last 15 games, you know, I, there is, why are we not defending? So one of them is, I think, as we increase Keontae's minutes, he is a rookie point guard playing defense. But I also think, you know, we've got to find a way, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but we've got to find a way to use Walker's defense to make us elite. So if you look right now over the last 15 games, our best lineup of players we still have on the floor is when Walker's on the floor defensively, but it's a 121. It's 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 not as though we're like really good. Now, when Taylor's been on the floor, we're a 142. When Ochai was on the floor, we were a 132. When Taylor Hendricks is on the floor, we're a 127. Same with John Collins and Jordan Clarkson. So there's, you know, there is a, a little bit of a divergence. That's just over the last 15 games. We've got to find a way to make it so that Walker's elite defensive prowess actually has an impact. Over the last four games, Walker's still our best defensive player, but it's a 126. Like those numbers are alarmingly high. Like the league average is about a 117. Anything over 120 is big. We're, so that's, I think, it. you know, Chris Dunn, who's like our best defensive player over the last four games, we're a 138 when he's on the floor. He's on the floor with Taylor, who's a 137, and Jordan's a 137 too. So, you know, what can we, how can we find a way defensively to improve a little bit? Um, some of that has to do with what's an interesting case is we, or the number one offensive rebounding team in the league, and we're also allowed the most transition of any team in the league. And I don't think those are related. I've never believed those are related. I've always thought that was that the math doesn't match up to that. It doesn't show. But so I don't think we need to stop crashing, but I do think we need to find a way to not allow the most transition possessions of any team in the league. Um, and I don't know entirely how to do that. It, it, if it is because we're crashing, it might be an okay math equation. Um, in other words, crashing is so important and valuable in a league that is offensively dominated and that extra offensive possession when you would have been at a zero, remember, anytime you get an offensive rebound, you were at a zero in a league that's now close to 1.2 points per possession. If you're getting that extra possession and scoring on that, that's a pretty massively important possession. And actually what the, what the, what the data says is that you can actually give up about three transition possessions for every one offensive rebound and you'll be fine. The, just to kind of give it to the, the, Points per possession in transition in the NBA versus half court, the difference between the two has become much slimmer than it ever used to be. The The average points per half court possession is now 0.2 points, I think. Maybe it's point, I think it's about, I'll, I'll check it, just make sure I'm exactly right. The difference between the two is about 
0.15 or 0.2 points for being in transition rather than being half court because half court offenses have gotten so good. So if you're getting an extra possession at 1.2, it's it's four or five transition possessions are actually make it worth it. So I, I don't want us to lose the offensive rebounding because it's important, but we're allowing 21% of opponents' possessions to be in transition and the lead, the next closest is 18.6. So that's a lot. That's a big, big difference. Um, and can we reduce that a little bit in the final 2016? So those are my keys to the team. We'll talk about Lowry, Keontae, Walker, and Taylor coming up here. We're talking about Walker a little bit. Important games. Numb to lo- Don't get numb to losing. Can we fill those gaps a little bit better? And can we defend and, and keep teams out of transition a little bit would be the goals for the post-All-Star break sprint. It is Locked on Jazz today. We will continue uh, and uh, hit all the big topics of Lowry Markin and Keontae George, Walker Kessler, Taylor Hendricks. We're just getting started on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter. That's one of the great customer service people you'll ever meet. The lending world is getting a little friendlier by the day. You still got to be smart about it. And Steve Carter is the guy over at Intercap to help you out about it. He's doing fabulous work. So let's make sure that we get you there. Let me share with you some of the things we hear from people. Uh, We literally heard about Steve on Locked on Jazz Show, called the main number for Intercap Lending, and luckily got connected right to him. We were blown away with how quickly our refinance came through. Steve was attentive, honest, and so sharp. He never... We never felt stressed. It almost seemed too easy. How is he so good at what he does? I don't know, Quentin and Jennifer. I agree. We will give his number and name to anyone and everyone who needs an agent. Reese says, Steve made the purchase of my house so easy and stress-free. I was kept in the loop and Steve was available. Whenever there was a question or concern, I would use Steve again in the future and recommend Steve to my friends. I used Steve again recently with another home. And once again, Steve made the process easy and stressed. Steve is professional. Really care. Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending. I'm telling you, you don't need to call the general number. You can just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I will get you hooked up with Steve right away um, over at Intercap. We love to do it. Steve gives you the VIP uh, treatment from that moment on as well. So that is why it is certainly worth it. Intercap Lending, located in Utah, but also can serve people outside of Utah. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. If you want to call Steve directly, it's 385-885-28. If you'd like to reach me and have me set up the VIP meeting for you, it's dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. All right, we're always hiring at Locked On. We've got posts and new things. We're launching postcasts across the network. We're doing all sorts of things. So we're always looking. So one of the places we use is LinkedIn Jobs. Why? Because LinkedIn Jobs knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats that they might not have time or resources to hire. So LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier, and they do it. They even get just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. You should too. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's not just another job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals. Go to linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. That's LinkedIn. Dot com slash locked on NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as YouTube. 
And Locked On Sports Today is the first ever national 24-7 channel on YouTube. Go check it out. Search Locked On Sports Today, and you get a run from one of our programs to the next. It's a really cool channel. It's not everyone screaming and yelling at you. It's great in-depth insight into what's going on uh, on the biggest stories of the day. So please check it out. And by the way, uh, it's now available on Amazon Fire TV as well. Here's a little channel update for you. Uh, oh, no, I thought I might get a little update on what's going to be on each channel, but did not did not have that. All right, sounds good. Sometimes I get a little secret peek of what's going to be on our TV channels each day. All right, let's talk about Lowry. He's great. He's just great. And the next step of his is the most difficult step that there is for a player to take. I mean, he is right now a top 20 player in the NBA, borderline all-star, didn't make it, but borderline. And he now has to see how does he get himself to that next level. And he's terrific. Like his half court, he is so good in the half court. He's in the 93rd percentile of all half court uh, with his shooting, with his ability to get the shot off. The next step is his isolation game. And He's actually been okay. We've just done it very, very rarely. He literally has, I think, 40, about 40 isolation chances, all about 4% of his game. So can the Jazz start to get him the ball at the nail? Can they, which is a little spot in the middle of the fifth round, at the elbow and let him start to figure things out? He had a really good game against Oklahoma City there, against the Warriors. He couldn't get in that position. He couldn't get free. Um, he's shooting seven of 24 on ISO shots from, from the top so far this year, that's 29%. Okay. Can we, can that get better? He also, he does get fouled 20% of the time. So can you continue to get to the free throw line on those? Um, you know, can he learn how to just use, own the power position of the space? The first thing on this is when you first catch, can you dominate the position and own the space? The Warriors got into him and he lost that against the thunder. He actually had smaller guys on him. He was able to clear that clear that with a jab step and a foot and footwork and be able to be in the power position to make the right, to be in control of that, of that kind of dynamic between he and his defender. And then he's able to get the shot up over the top. So this is really an important thing with Lowry. I would suspect, and this is some things where maybe we're doing things rather than trying to win. I mean, frankly, like I would suspect that two or two times a quarter, maybe we're going to suddenly post put ISO play for Lowry at the nail and let him have eight or nine of these a game. And we'll see how many of them materialize in the plays, but that's, that's true. I mean, he's done like one a game for most of the year, probably less. And so you're suddenly, maybe it's one a quarter. Maybe I'm exaggerating how much you can really disrupt the entire team to do that. But can, how can you do, you know, do that with Lowry and have him develop that skill? I think that's, um, I think that's key. I still believe that Lowry is our backup center when we, eventually get to the point where Walker's able to start and impact the game. And then we second unit is Lowry spread out, hopefully over time with Taylor long, fast spread out team. And so I would like to see Lowry play some defensive center. I don't know that we'll get that just because John Collins and Walker Kessler are both there. And so I just don't think you'll see many minutes of that, but when they happen, I think they're important and also to see how good we are. Um, offensively in those. But the big thing for Lau is just those ISO possessions. And also, I just, he's, I think the thing that's most admirable about him and where his leadership has just been incredible this year is just how he stays with games. Um, and so I, I, I don't want to just talk about, it. I mean, he's just so good and done so many things well and is so elite. I don't want to just talk about the things that, you know, like where he needs to get better, but he does. I mean, 
off the bounce dribble jumpers are 34% this year. I think, you know, those are the little areas where he needs to find a way to get a little bit better than he, than he has been. Um, but I do think one of the things leadership wise has been great is how he just is such unflappable and stays in a game and might not be having a very good game for, you know, for probably three quarters. And then in the fourth can still put it together. You know, he, I think he had a scoreless third the other day in 16 in the fourth. Those things cannot be underestimated. And the more he does that, I think the more he shows that he is one of the real leaders on this team um, and can lead them. All right. Keontae is an interesting one. He's, he's up to 33 minutes a night. And so the biggest thing for me on Keontae, there, there's two things I will admit, like the shooting, I don't want to be stats driven on a rookie, but in the final 26 games of the year, I do think it's really important that the ball goes in the basket. Um, he's shooting 39% and 35% from three, which is good because he's moved out of, there's a danger zone. When you're under 40 and under 33, the amount of players that have done that, that have, go on to have good NBA careers are not many. Um, it's kind of Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups, and that's it. Um, and so to see him go to 39, 35, I think is a really good sign. 35 is a three-point shooting. That that I think is is a great sign. So I would say I think the ball going in matters. Like I don't want to underestimate. I don't want to like have us look at his box score every night and be because there's going to be nights where I'd rather have him take 13 shots and only make two of them than take four shots. And I've admired the fact that he's done that. But his you know seven games in February is at 47% from the field, 45% from three. He had a monster game the other day. His true shooting percentage in November was 48%. In December was 55. In January was 57. And now is 61. That's a pretty great trend for Keontae. I don't think he can leave it at 60, but this is pretty great. The other thing is that his usage is not dropped to do that. Um, his offensive rating has gone way up while he's doing that. These are really encouraging signs um, from Keontae. So I do, I do think like, ball going in like let's just have the ball going like I hate to like like it sounds so stupid but um that I think matters I think the other one is he's going to play 30 minutes a night and so can he play 30 intense hard minutes a night that to me will be really really interesting to watch him do he played so hard and so focused and with such intensity against the Warriors and Steph and in that game we saw something out of Keontae I had not seen him play at that level before and now that it's going to be 30 minutes a night and it's going to be every night like I want to see that I want to see him fight through that oh crap am I tired night um oh shoot I didn't take care of my body quite well enough oh I don't quite know how this all worked oh wow last night I played a guard that just beat the out of me the whole game and I got to come back tonight like that game and see him fight through that um and so I think um, those are the things I'm really excited to watch and see out of him uh, this, this next stretch um, is uh, I, I, defensively. I'd love it if he got better. Okay, great. He's, he's 20 year old. That's not happening. Um, but I do want, I love like the last nine, his three attempts in the last games are nine, six, five, six, five, 16. Like taking threes is really important. There aren't a lot, a lot of guys can't get them off. So getting the shots, pulling the trigger is really, really important. He's been double-digit shots in, in every, in I think, uh, eight of his last 10 games or something like that. And the other games have been at nine. So that's great. Double-digit shot attempts every game from Keontae. 30-plus minutes every game from Keontae. And then intensity level, and the ball goes in a little bit. Like, he's the progression, though, that we just talked about with those that splits of month-by-month -month true shooting percentage. Wow. That's.
that's that's pretty awesome and exciting to see out of Keontae here is when you go from your true shooting percentage in November 48, December 55, January 57, February 61. Pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and percentage of possessions used going the free throw line. You know, he's he's going to line and went 55 times in 16 games. Let's see if he can keep that up. He's down a little bit. He's only taken seven free throws in the last seven games. So let's not become such a three-point hawk that we stop going to line and using your body as well as this. Been great at it. All right. Walker Kessler, Taylor Hendricks are our next conversation pieces as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Locked on Jazz today is brought to you in part by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel, number one America sportsbook in America. All sorts of great things for you. And new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Quick bets, live same-game parlors, in-game betting. I was talking to Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets of Locked On, and he was talking about how the young generation loves their in-game betting. You can certainly do that at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. Shoot your shot. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Let's take a look at the sportsbook lines for tonight, by the way, and see what the with 13 NBA games on the docket. The Jazz playing the Hornets, who've won three in a row, and the Jazz are a 10-point favorite tonight over the Charlotte Hornets, who are minus 11. Headlining games tonight, Warriors are five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Lakers. That should be a really good one. Um, Thunder and the Clippers, massive game. Thunder are one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Clippers tonight. Uh, I'm interested to watch Pelicans, Rockets. Pelicans look like they might have really clicked in before the break. They're a seven-point favorite in the Mavericks and the Suns matchup. So some really, really good games. Cleveland, Orlando, fun night in the NBA tonight. Get involved with it at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. few things for you. It's decade night tonight with the Jazz, so that should be a lot of fun. That means at Jazz Plus, you'll have the uh, multicast or altcast broadcast. Also at Jazz Plus, there's all sorts of fun things. Shoot Your Shot with Will Hardy has a new edition with Boris Diaw. <gasps> it really cannot get any better than that, so make sure, um, make sure you do that. Um, and also Holly Rose got the low, the front row podcast, uh, Ryan Smith, Will Hardy, go search around. You can go find it. All right. Two things for Walker Kessler in the next 26 games. One, we got to figure out how to use him offensively. We've got to find out how to keep Walker Kessler on the floor offensively. Part of that's Walker stronger around the basket, finishing at a better rate. Some of those kind of things. The other thing to Walker's credit is Walker has hit. Five straight free throws. He's hit eight of his last nine free throws. He's hit 10 of his last 11 free throws. He's hit 13 of his last 15 free throws. I think that's going to change who he is. I thought for a little while he looked reluctant to have the ball in his hands because he was going to get fouled. And I, if he can keep this up, that'll be awesome. He's such a great... I mean, we, there's not hidden here he's you know said three blocks or more in in eight of his last nine games um he's such a great rim defender he's other than rudy's the second best rim defender in the nba i believe for the season so there's two things one is how do we parlay walker on the floor to great to being a good defensive team we have not figured that out yet we know walker's good we haven't figured out how to play good defense with walker on the floor necessarily it's better than anybody else but it's still not good so that's one 
Two is how do we get it so that Walker can get 30 plus minutes a night? Because offensively we don't struggle when he's on the floor. Um, and, and that's, that's equally important. Like if you look at our offensive rating over the last four games, we're actually our, we're best when Chris Dunn's on the floor, ironically enough, and Taylor Horton Tucker, and then it's Jordan and then Keontae and Walker's right in the middle of the pack at 113. So it's, it's not bad. If you look at four, the last 15 games that we looked at where we're five and 10 and we're not, you know, some of that's the recent stretch, but we weren't perfect before. And Walker's again, right in the middle of the pack, but actually probably of guys, he's actually the lowest. I take it back. He's not in the middle of the pack. He's in the middle of the pack of guys. That, he's a 114.1. Kelly Olenek was a 113.3 and Taylor Hendricks is a 110. So our offense over the last 15 games when Walker's on the floor is less good than when anybody else is on the floor other than Taylor. Okay. Like how, how do we solve that? Like, how do we maintain Walker whose spacing is an issue and you know what he can do offensively, find a way to play with Walker offensive for the season of our regular players. Keontae is the lowest at 111 and Walker's next at 113 offensively. So that that's a big challenge. The next 26 games, how do we find a way to become a better offensive team when Walker Kessler is on the floor? Um, it's just that simple. Um, and I think Walker, you know, finishing around the rim, being dominant, being an offensive rebounding force, a lot of those kind of things matter. And then, you know, becoming available, finding the spots on the floor where when the defense collapses, you can become available. Uh, then there's Taylor. So Taylor's not looked very good, if we're being honest. And I'm not bothered by it at all. Um, so Taylor's still 6'9", 210. And when I watched Taylor at University of Central Florida and I watched him run the floor and I watched him jump and I watched his touch, I was like, oh, that's a top 10 pick. And then you watched him dribble and watched his lack of understanding of floor spacing and his lack of just kind of feel for the game. And you're like, oh, that's not a top five pick. That, that's kind of how it works. If he has all these other things, he would be a top five pick. And because he didn't, he was a top 10 pick. And those things take some time. And then I look at Jonathan Kaminga and other young draftees that are 6'9", 6'10", who come into the league like this and they take two or three years to develop. And that's really kind of what I anticipate. We hope he's not Jonathan Wise James Wiseman. We hope he's Jonathan Kaminga, right? And I look at even like Jalen Smith, who I think is probably a really good comp, in was in Phoenix for two years and then they quit on him. And then he now has been in Indiana. He's been off injured this year. He's really a pretty good player. Like he's in, he's playing 18 minutes a night. He's probably ready to play more. He shoots 40% from three. He averages 10 points, five, six rebounds a game. Like, I think that's kind of a, like, that's pro that wouldn't be that exciting to you, but that's probably a decent progression of kind of who he is. He's a 10th pick of a draft who can shoot it and run around and defend and do a lot of things and has to understand the game a little bit better. And, and that's, that's what you just can't get, you know, that's what happens. You don't see 6'10", 6'9", 210 pound guys drafted 17th. Like, frankly, you do. Lucas Ominich was drafted 19th at 6'10", 227, and the Jazz are still trying to let him have a chance to play out because he's that incredible of a body. And that's how this works. So I'm not, so Taylor's just really simple stuff. Like, it's play hard, show flashes, Play hard, show flashes. That's it. I don't expect the. There's not going to be a light bulb that suddenly goes on. I'm encouraged, frankly. I, I, I'm encouraged what I'm seeing.
He's still 6'9". He still runs. He's still athletic. He still goes up higher than everybody else for a rebound every now and then. He still shows a flash every now and then. I'm encouraged. I don't have, there's nothing like, not like he needs to improve his handle. Okay, well, that's a skill. He can learn and figure out how to have better touch and dribble and be able to dribble three or four times. He needs to understand spacing. Okay, that's watching film and understanding and filming. But the unteachable things, he's great at. So I'm not worried about it. And I also don't expect a major breakthrough anytime soon. I know that uh, Leaf talked about what are good comps for Taylor. Um, you know, and I think that's, I think that's a good, like a good conversation piece and discussion. And you guys should go back and listen to the show. But I mean, even like if we take a guy like Rui Hashimura, who's killed us the other night, it's a little bit different at 6'8", 230. He comes in the league at 21. It took him, like he played a lot, but he wasn't, he didn't quite have it in Washington. He seems to be a different player today, four years into his career, five years into his career. And he's old. So they're just, go take a minute and go through the top 20 picks of an NBA draft from 2018 on and and start and look for guys that are 6'9", 6'10", 210 bench. You just don't find very many of them. That's the first thing that will jump out to you. It's like, wow, there just aren't very many of those guys. So then when you have them, then it then you go look and it does usually take a little bit of time. And so nothing I've seen is discouraging. In fact, exact opposite. I'm encouraged. But I also don't expect like, oh, what about Taylor? We're going to watch every night. We're going to analyze him every night. And it's, it's, it's kind of fruitless. I'm going to do it. Trust me. I'm going to be with you on it every step of the way. But there's not going to be a major light bulb that goes off in the next 26 games. There's not going to be a major breakthrough. But hopefully there's going to be play hard and flashes. Play hard and flashes. Play hard and flashes. Play hard. Be overzealous. Make overzealous mistakes, not underzealous mistakes. And or inactivity mistakes, and then like grab a rebound two feet above everybody else. Go in for a flying dunk. Uh, block a shot. Uh, run the floor. Like, yeah, just things. Like, oh, wow. Nobody else on the floor can do that. That's what we're looking for out of Taylor Hendricks. All right, Jazz Hornets, glad to be back at it. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks again to Leaf Tulane, who carried us through a little bit of the break. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. And now we send you the first ever 24-7 national sports channel, Locked on Sports Today. Have a great one. See you.